0: Cade Miele Vulture. A hundred thousand welcomes. That's a typical Irish welcome. And if you go to Ireland on the 17th of March, you'll get such a welcome. For that is St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day is celebrated not only in Ireland, but throughout the whole world, and not just by the Irish. So many legends have grown up around Patrick. No... Patrick never chased the snakes out of Ireland, nor do we really know whether he used the shamrock to teach converts about the Trinity. But what we do know about St. Patrick is far more interesting than many of the legends that grew up around him. However, in order to separate truth from fiction, we must turn to his two writings letter to and confessions this would appear to be the logical way to obtain reliable information about what he believed and what he preached as he travelled throughout his adopted land. Scholars down the centuries have gleaned that Patrick was born into a family on a small holding in the year 373 In a town on the River Clyde in Roman Britain, now part of Scotland. Although we may not know for certain where he was born, there can be no doubt that he was born again in Ireland. While in his teens, Patrick was kidnapped in a raid and transported to Ireland where he was enslaved to a local warlord and worked as a herder of cattle close to Slemish Mountain near Ballymena in Mid-Antham, a part of Ireland we know very well, Slemish Mountain. This episode in his life is a classic example of out of bad comes good, for Patrick underwent the greatest blessing anyone can experience, the conversion of his soul. Although Patrick was brought up to be familiar with the ways of the Lord, he was not religious as a youth. He says, I knew not the true God, and I was carried into captivity into Ireland. And there the Lord opened the sense of my unbelief, that even though late, I should remember my sins and be converted with my whole heart unto the Lord my God. It was during the time of his captivity that he turned from his careless ways and came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He was convicted that he was a sinner. In his own words he said, Before I was humbled, I was like a stone lying in deep mire and he that is mighty came and in his mercy raised me up and indeed lifted me high up and placed me on top of the wall and from there I ought to shout out in gratitude to the Lord for his great favours in this world and forever that the mind of man cannot measure. After six years of slavery he escaped from his master and after suffering many hardships eventually he rejoined his obviously delighted parents at home. But it was not long before he had a remarkable dream in which he felt that God was drawing him back To the voice of the Irish. He records. I saw a man. Whose name was. Victoricus. Coming as if from Ireland. With innumerable letters. He gave me one of them. And I read. The beginning of the letter. The voice of the Irish. And as I was reading. The beginning of the letter. I seemed at that moment to hear the voice of those who were beside the forest of Fockett, which is near the Western Sea. And they were crying as if with one voice. We beg you, holy youth, that you shall come and shall walk again among us. And I was so stung intensely in my heart so that I could read no more and thus I awoke. Thanks be to God because after so many years the Lord bestowed on them according to their cry. He returned to Ireland in 406 AD but this time as a missionary and so it was that for the entire remainder of his days he seems to have spent his time in traveling throughout the whole country teaching from the Bible only, holding evangelical meetings, preaching that Christ is all and in all. Now, tradition says that Patrick, while preaching to the Ard that's the High King at Tara in County Meath, used the three-leaf shamrock to illustrate the mysterious doctrine of the Trinity. This story may well be true. And so the Shamrock remains the emblem of Ireland all over the world. The fact that we know anything about him at all is as great a miracle as any that later traditions and myths ascribe to him. For Patrick is literally the only individual we know from 5th century Ireland. Not only Do no other written records from Britain or Ireland exist from that century, but there are simply no written records at all from Ireland prior to his? Patrick would no doubt be surprised to learn that he has become known as the patron saint of Ireland. After Patrick wrote Confessions, he humbly said, I pray those who believe and fear God whosoever may condescend to look into or receive this writing which Patrick the sinner though unlearned wrote in Ireland if I have done or established any little thing according to God's will that no man ever say that my ignorance did it but think and let it verily believe that it was the gift of God. Now nowhere is it recorded that he was appointed to any church or benefactor, other than God himself. Scholars agree that Patrick left Ireland a very different place from when he found it. Druidism had received its death blow, and in the short space of one lifetime Christianity had been established on a firm basis. In the dark ages when the lights went out all over Europe a candle still burned in Ireland that light had been left by Patrick. Over the course of sixty years Patrick traverse the length and breadth of Ireland preaching the gospel and like the examples of Timothy and Titus before him he likewise appointed elders and established churches. It has been reckoned that at the end of his days there were 365 churches across the island. These were founded as were the churches in biblical times with the people being served by spiritual pastors or elders. The authority of the pastor was one of service rather than lording it over the people. It was just like the system which was established in the pages of scripture. And likewise, the monasteries set up by Patrick were totally unlike the monasteries that were established under the Church of Rome. Richard Bennett... And I recommend his site. It's www.bereanbeacon.org B-E-R-E-A-N-B-E-A-C-O-N.org But he says, Richard Bennett, on his site, he claims that these monasteries set up by Patrick were quite like those of the Vodar and other early Christian churches of northern Italy and southern France whereby men and women came aside for some years to be trained in the scriptures and to learn how to evangelize and present the gospel to others later in their lives these men married and had families they were not forsaking the world for some retreat of inner holiness Rather, they were men who saw light and life in the Lord Jesus and wished to evangelize others with the true gospel. Because of these monasteries and the churches that Patrick founded, Ireland became known as the Isle of Saints and Scholars. The clarity, the clearness of the gospel message cherished by Patrick and those who worked with him was to live on for many years after his death. There were many famous missionaries like Patrick such as Columba and his companions who set out for Scotland in 563 and then there was Columbanus with his companions who evangelized France and Germany in 612. For more than 600 years like Patrick, Irish missionaries continued carrying the gospel with the true faithfulness and truthfulness and zeal to Britain, Germany, France, Switzerland, Italy and beyond. The dark ages began to dawn and spiritual darkness spread across Europe. In the 9th and 10th centuries the Roman Church gained rulership through intrigue and persecution soon holding more of Europe in her grip. Even so, in those dark centuries of danger, Irish missionaries continued to spread the true gospel to plant the seed which for centuries to come would bear much good fruit. All across the continent. With the coming of the Danes in the 9th century, however, the Celtic Church in Ireland began to lose its biblical clarity. Further, Papal Rome began to unleash military power to bring Ireland under her control. This began with the decree of Pope Adrian IV. Now, he's an interesting chap. He was born Nicholas Breakspear and he was Pope from 1154 to 1159 and he's the only Englishman who has occupied the papal chair as they talk about. Well the decree of Adrian Fourth was issued to King Henry II of England in 1155. The Pope authorised the invasion of Ireland and sent the King a ring of investiture as Lord of Ireland, calling upon the monarch to expiate the vices that have taken root in Ireland, saving to the Holy Roman Church the annual pension of one penny uh, from each house. King Henry carried out the designs of the papacy in 1171, and with a strong military force subdued the whole of the Irish nation. He received from every archbishop and bishop of the synod in Cashel in 1172 charters whereby they confirmed the kingdom of Ireland to him and his heirs. The king then sent a transcript of these charters to Pope Alexander III, who, according to the letters of the archbishops and bishops, was extremely gratified by the extension of his dominion and in 1172 issued a papal bull confirming the papal decree of Pope Adrian. Further rulings were sent from Rome to Henry II, the princes and nobles of Ireland and to the bishops of Ireland in order to establish hierarchy over the people and pastors thus enforcing the subservience of both Ireland and England to the papal throne. Here's an interesting thing that Patrick said in relation to this type of takeover. Patrick's testimony was, I am imperfect in many things. Nevertheless, I want my brethren and kinsfolk to know my nature so that they may be able to perceive my soul's desire. I am not ignorant of what is said of my Lord in the Psalms. You destroy those who speak a lie, and a lying mouth deals death to the soul. Likewise, the Lord says in the Gospels, In the day of judgment, men shall render an account for every idle word they utter so it is that I should fear mightily with terror and trembling this judgment on the day when no man shall be able to steal away or hide he said that in his confessions the confession of Patrick Patrick has been described As a good man, full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost. And here were verses that Patrick would have preached. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14 verse 6. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3 verse 16 And Jesus, as he spoke to Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3 verse 3 May I wish you a very happy St. Patrick's Day